This is episode 29 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Brooke Wagner. You know, I think the differences to me usually melt away and I I see more of the similarities that we're all, um, you know, for the most part, we all have stuff and we're all a little bit of broken people in our own way and so you know whether I was working with a, a kiddo in Florida um, in the hospital or somebody in Montana um, I just look at it and go We're, we all kind of have the same inside we all have a heart and a, a spirit and a mind and um, just looking at those things that connect us and bring us together maybe even more so than the differences You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I'm a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, Join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. In today's episode, I talk to Brooke Wagner, who is a music therapist at St. Vincent Healthcare in Billings, Montana. We talk about her journey from the Carolinas back to or to Florida, back to the Carolinas, and then to Montana, and some of the cultural differences she has experienced in those places, as well as how she continues to find support and connect with other music therapists while being in Montana, which is a more rural state. If you are enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes and joining our group on Facebook. That's a great place to join a conversation either just with other listeners or with some of the people who have been on the podcast. If there are specific questions that you're interested in asking the guests, you can do so by becoming a patron over on patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles. That's a wonderful way for you to support the podcast by uh, pledging to donate a certain amount each month. Whatever you are comfortable with is very much appreciated and by becoming a patron, you will be given the exclusive opportunity to ask guest questions for whenever I schedule an interview. You can also check us out on Instagram. We are at Music Therapy Chronicles. And without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hi, Brooke. Welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for making the time. I'm going to tell the listeners just because I want them to know how much you put into being on the show today. Brooke uh, drove in her car to an area where she has reception because she doesn't at her house, which I think is pretty cool, honestly. And she's <laughs> we're doing this interview from her car. So thank you so much for making this happen. Of course, we're a little off the grid, but we make it work. That's awesome. Someday, maybe I'll live off the grid. There you go. So to start us off, will you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? 
Sure. So, um, you know, like you said, I'm Brooke Wagner. Um, I graduated from Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina in um, 2001. And it was, I was excited to be part of the first graduating class of music therapists that came out of um, Appalachian. So I started there with Kathy McKinney and some other amazing um, professors and did my internship with Julie Tatro at All Children's Hospital in St. Petersburg, Florida. And um, after I got done with that, I sat for the board exam and got certified and I began to look for a job. And um, I knew I wanted to stay kind of around my hometown, um, which at the time was near Charlotte, North Carolina. And so I, I ended up just getting a job as a activities assistant and then an activities director at um, a nursing home there using my music therapy training. It wasn't specifically a music therapy position, but um, I think that was the reason why I got hired is so I could incorporate that um, and worked for a while and then um, started to, I, I got married and um, wanted to take some time off to stay home and raise my family. So I was able to be home with my kids um, and I have a 14 year old daughter and an almost 12 year old son and a seven year old son. And I've been able to, you know, work with music therapy in a way that's allowed me to, to raise my kids and be part-time mom, full-time stay-at-home mom. Um, so I've been pretty flexible with that. But now, um, over the last probably five years, I started to build a private practice in music therapy here in um, our new hometown of Billings, Montana. And so I started working at assisted livings and memory care facilities with private practice in music therapy, offering group music therapy sessions. Um, and then from that, uh, it's, it's a long story, but it's a good story. A position was created um, at our hospital here in Billings, Montana, the first ever music therapy program for our hospital, which is St. Vincent Healthcare. So now I work there. Um, I'm about 12 hours a week, uh, which still gives me time to, to be mom and be with my family, but also gives me a chance to practice my other passion, which is music therapy. Yeah. So tell us that story of starting that program and all that. So it was pretty amazing. Um, I had tried for about a year to get in the door with another hospital here. There's two major hospitals here in Billings. And I had tried to get in the door. Um, I had some contacts at this other hospital and I went in and made presentations and um, really tried to advocate for why they needed music therapy. And I, I got a very positive response. They were very interested but they just couldn't come up with the funding. And they said, we, we want you to be here. Um, we just don't know how we're gonna pay for you. And so it's, it's not gonna work. And so in my mind, I had kind of closed the door on being able to work in a hospital setting um, with music therapy. And I, I love the, the assisted living and the dementia care side of it so much. I had really gotten to where I was, I was settled with that. And I thought, okay, this is gonna be my practice. Um, I was working with some kids with autism. I had some other things, you know, going on. And then out of the blue, I said yes to providing entertainment for a retired nurse's luncheon. Um, and I, I typically will do that just for fun because I love to sing. Uh, I never mention at those places that I'm a music therapist because I don't ever want to confuse the entertainment side with the therapy side. But for some reason that day, I just introduced myself as, you know, I'm Brooke Wagner. I'm here to, to entertain you today, but 
But what I, you know, what I'm really passionate about is my career in music therapy. I'm a music therapist. And I saw a gal's head in the back of the room kind of pop up and she looked at me and I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I wonder if she knows what music therapy is. Um, and so after I had got done singing, she ran up to me and grabbed me and said, are you really a music therapist? And I said, yes, I really am. And she said, well, we have this music therapy endowment that we want to use to begin a music therapy program. We just didn't know there was a music therapist. And so it was really the, the perfect scenario where the job came to me. Um, and it, it was another probably 10 months after that of just ironing out details and, um, you know, how are we going to get the funding? We have this endowment to start, but we want this to be a long-term continuing program at our hospital. So how are we going to provide that? Um, but after another, you know, 10 months to a year, I was working in that hospital and it really is my dream job. Um, I work on pediatrics for the majority of my day, and I've also branched out a little bit into the NICU. So um, it's just a wonderful place to be. How long have you been there? So that uh, my first day was December of 2017. And so we're coming up on two years now. Wow, that's wonderful and so serendipitous. It really was. I, I couldn't have imagined it working out better. You know, it just, um, I, I just felt so thankful. I went into a couple of the meetings prepared with my education sheets and my advocacy and my funding and my, you know, breakdown of the numbers of why a music therapy program is so beneficial to a hospital in so many ways. And I had launched into my spiel and about five minutes in the, um, director of the foundation stopped me and he said, Brooke, we already know why we need you. And we already know that we want you. We just have to figure out how we're going to pay for you. So they, <laughs> they were already on board. It was, it was almost too easy. It was such, such a wonderful experience. Yeah, It's great to hear that those things happen <clears throat> though, that there are instances where we don't necessarily have to fight. Isn't the word mm -hmm. I want to use, but fight to get into these places. And, you know, there are people who already recognize the need and just need our help in finding the funding to do it and know that we deserve that funding. Absolutely. And making those connections, you know, it, it really was, it was, it was unusual. Um, but it was encouraging to me, like you said, because I, I did feel like with the other hospital, I was just constantly banging my head against the wall. And, and this one um, was a completely different experience. So, yeah, uh, there's um, a book out there. I think it's called the the beautiful no or something. And it's almost oh. like that first hospital was your beautiful no, where you were trying yeah. so hard, but something better was coming and you just needed that no to push you in the right direction. Absolutely. It really opened the door. And looking at how the, the philosophy of this hospital lines up, it's such a holistic approach to care, not only for kids, but for families. It's just a perfect fit for music therapy. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So um, we partnered with Primary Children's Hospital, which is in Salt Lake, and that really started to change what our pediatrics department looked like. Um, they looked at Primary, and I think they saw, okay, they have a, a thriving child life program. They have a thriving music therapy program, and look at the outcomes they're seeing with families and with patients, and you know, um, being able to treat the child as a whole recognizing that they come with mom and dad and siblings and grandma um, really influenced how we care for kids now at St. Vincent. 
we just, um, within the last year, received funding to renovate all of our PICU rooms. So we have five PICU rooms. And the focus is really on keeping the family together and keeping the family here in Billings. Um, there's room for mom and dad to stay the night in the room with the child. And we have access to telemedicine, which allows our kids to stay here close to home, um, which is really a, a beautiful thing. So, Awesome. Can you explain what child life is for anyone listening who doesn't know and then how that kind of correlates with what you're doing? Sure. So my, um, my partner at work is a, a child life specialist, and we do our, we talk all the time about how our disciplines really complement each other. So um, Maggie is her name, and Maggie's job is really to educate the child in a way that's developmentally appropriate for them about procedures that they're going to have done. Um, she works very closely with our surgery department to prepare the child for um, upcoming surgeries and procedures and just explain it in a way that kids understand. Um, a lot of times I think we forget that, you know, we're in the healthcare setting all day, every day, and we know what these words mean and we know what's coming, but our families coming in don't necessarily know that. And so her job is just really to make sure the child is prepared and that the child can still function as a child, even in the hospital setting. Wow, that's really beautiful. So what are some ways that you incorporate those into your your sessions and your practice? So we've worked very closely together, um, mostly when we have a, a bereavement situation is when our, our disciplines really come together to complement each other and work together. Um, Maggie does the very technical, you know, explaining the IV and explaining the, the tubes and the, the things that are happening. Um, I feel like my job more is to come in and make the hospital seem more normal for the kiddo. So I don't necessarily come in and, and talk about all those things, especially if Maggie's already seen the kiddo. But when we have bereavement um, situations, which unfortunately we, we do have in pediatrics, Maggie and I really work together to make sure the needs of the whole family are being met. And so she might be um, working with a sibling to explain what's happening with brother or sister and explain what they can expect and find out, you know, how the sibling is processing um, the eminent loss. And at the same time, I'm kind of working with mom and dad and maybe doing a heartbeat recording of the kiddo or um, maybe just doing some music alongside Maggie with the sibling to really help them process these emotions that are, that are coming at them pretty quickly. So that's, you know, that's probably the biggest situation where we do work together. Um, other times we'll just, if I see a kiddo that I think could really benefit from seeing Maggie, I'll let her know and kind of do a referral that way. And similarly, she'll refer kiddos to me all the time hey, I heard that, you know, 457 really loves music um, and they, they're going to be having a procedure later on today where there might be some pain involved. So might be a good one to keep on your radar. Yeah, it's great to have allies and advocates in your work setting where you, you do have mm -hmm. that camaraderie and that relationship where you refer people, you work together and you have a similar mentality. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about heartbeat recordings? Oh, yes. This is one of my absolute 
I, I don't want to say favorite because sometimes it really is a hard situation, but it feels like such a gift to be able to offer to our families. And I have to credit um, Brian Shrek and so many other music therapists that have pioneered this um, intervention. I wouldn't have even, you know, I think all the time, I don't think I would have even thought to do this, but watching a couple of YouTube videos about Brian's work and other music therapists work really encouraged me that, that it is a possibility that I could offer. And so I did, um, Brian was so available and so helpful in really getting me set up and getting me um, the training and the equipment that I needed to feel confident in offering this. Um, the majority of what I use the heartbeat recordings for, it's, it's pretty much two main purposes. One is our bereavement situations where <clears throat> we'll have a kiddo that, you know, has experienced a trauma or we know that the end is, is coming. And I'll, um, in cooperation with nursing staff and the physicians, will offer a heartbeat recording as a legacy gift to the family members. And so, you know, we kind of tag team about the best way to do that. If I go in and, and offer it to the family, if the nurse offers it to the family, we really just try to make it um, as, as painless as possible for the families who are already experiencing so much pain. And so I'll go in and um, grab a recording of the kiddo's heartbeat. I use a Littman digital stethoscope connected to GarageBand in the iPad. And so I'll get the, the recording. It takes, you know, maybe 30 seconds to a minute. I'll just make sure that the recording is, is good. And then I leave and I, I leave the family to be with their child. And then um, later on, I'll find out from the family if they had a favorite song or something that's meaningful to their child or to their family. And after the heartbeat is cleaned up a little bit to reduce the background noise, I'll use the heartbeat as the foundational rhythm for the song. And I've used, <laughs> I've used such a wide variety of songs with that, you know, anywhere from um, You Are My Sunshine to there was a kiddo that loved a band that I had never even heard of. And so I, I downloaded that song and learned it and played it on guitar uh, as the, the heartbeat is accompanying the music. And then um, just giving that to the family. And I've had um, one mom in particular, I remember it was such a meaningful experience for her that she took a, a snapshot of the physical heartbeat recording from the iPad and had it um, as a tattoo that she got later and some of her family members, um, just a physical representation of her, her child's heartbeat that she was able to have with her. So that's really special. Um, and then the other way that I really use the heartbeat lately um, is in our NICU with our, our newborns that are often so premature, mom and dad can't hold them. They can't sometimes even touch them very often, um, do all the things that we normally do to bond with our infants when they're first born. And so I'll go in and get a recording of infant's heartbeat, and then I can set that to a song for mom and for dad. And so when they have to leave the hospital at the end of the day or the end of visiting hours, they have that little piece of their child to take with them until they can come back and, and see them again. Um, one of the newest things I'm, I'm using that for is for moms that are pumping that really hope to breastfeed, but they need to pump in, right now until baby is ready to feed. And so we've, we've found some research that shows that listening to baby's heartbeat can increase milk production and it increases the quality of milk that's wow. produced. 
And so incorporating baby's heartbeat with a relaxing playlist for mom to listen to as she's pumping, um, we're hoping to really get some good results from that. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. And it's so cool how the technology is allowing us to do these things. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It really is. I, I go in with my stethoscope and my iPad and parents usually go, what in the world are you doing? I didn't even know you could do that. You know, and, but then when they get the finished product, it's very meaningful. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful gift to be able to give. And it's awesome that they took it that step further to do a tattoo of it. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, it really was. It was very meaningful for that family. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing the research about pumping in relation to using heartbeat playlists. Yeah, it is. There's there's a lot of research about looking at baby's picture. There's a lot of research about um, listening to music. But I, I don't know that there's a ton about incorporating all of those things into a more um, immersive experience for mom. And as a mom myself, I have, I have three kids and I remember the stress of, you know, trying to work and nurse and it's just such a hurried experience. So any way we can use music to make it a little more natural and relaxing, I think it's going to be beneficial. What a great example, too, of um, making that holistic experience, not just for baby or for infant or mm-hmm. for child, but also for the family, for mom, so that yeah. they also are able to form that relationship in maybe a less traditional way, but yeah. having these resources to be able to do that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So other than some of your heartbeat recording stuff, what have been some of your most impactful experiences since being at the hospital? Wow. Um, you know, the, yeah, aside from the, the bereavement, which is, it just always feels like such a a gift and an honor to share those moments with our family, um, to be invited into that space is we just, we don't take it lightly. Um, so that's been very impactful. Um, I can think of a couple other instances where the numbers have really shown the impact of music therapy as far as, um, a kiddo being connected to our oxygen saturation monitor and our heart rate monitor. And there was one instance in particular, there was a young girl that um, was really not doing well. She was really struggling, um, had just a rough couple of days. And I asked the nurse if I could go in and just try some music with her for relaxation and for um, just kind of calming her body down. And the nurse was pretty hesitant, and she said, I, I don't know. She's not doing so well. She said, you can go in, but I'm going to be right outside the door, and I'm watching her her monitor just to make sure that everything's going okay. And I said, oh, absolutely. And so I went in, and we did some singing. Um, we did bubbles. I had her blowing bubbles. I had her, you know, trying to, to pop the bubbles with her breath and, and just different things to really um, integrate those deep breaths and just that that relaxing presence of music. And when I came out, the nurse was waiting for me at the door, and she said, I don't know what you were doing in there, but that's as good as her levels have looked all day. So whatever you were doing was working. And so it's those moments that you kind of hold on to and go, okay, this is making a physiological impact on the health of these children. And yes, it looks like we're just having fun and we're just blowing bubbles, and it is fun. I mean, you know, let's be real. It is fun, but it is making a physical impact um, that's helping our kids heal. And so that's just, that's pretty cool to be a part of that. Yeah. 
Oh, so fun. <laughs> I'm just picturing yes. bubbles and, you know, anyone oh, yeah. walking by and just the those things that <laughs> you probably don't think of at first or think of as music therapy, but. Right, right. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was a fun day. Um, I'm trying to think of some other, you know, it, and my work in the NICU is, is very special to me because I realize the fragility of those, those infants and, you know, it, it's such a picture to look at an infant who was born, you know, two months too early and go, we are now responsible for the care of this child, you know, outside of the womb. And the best thing for me is when I can get mom and dad and, and maybe even grandma and siblings, whoever's there involved in singing to their infant. Um, because that's just something that, that I feel is so natural for us to do. Um, but you know, if you're not a musician and that's not your, your natural inclination, it's kind of a scary thing to do. And so I, I always tear up and I get pretty emotional when, when I can get dads, you know, looking at their infant and singing a lullaby to their infant, um, in that, that really special environment. So that's another thing that kind of just stands out. Ah, beautiful. I love all those stories. (laughs) <laughs> That's so touching. So how have you seen the program grow since you've been there? And where do you envision it going in the future? Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when I first started, I would say that maybe 10% of the hospital employees knew I was there. And, you know, I would say about that same number knew what music therapy was. So from the very beginning, the very first day I walked in the door, my goal has been to gently advocate for music therapy services um, to just, and and I use that word gentle all the time because I I can go in sometimes so passionate about music therapy that I just, everybody everywhere needs music therapy and here's why. But I found that the, the gentle approach to advocacy works better. You know, that that two minutes you have with somebody in the elevator and they see my guitar and go, oh, you're going to play music for someone today. And I say, yes, I am. I'm a music therapist and and I use music to help people feel better. Just even those, you know, couple sentences um, gets in their mind that, oh, there's something different going on here. So just the advocacy. um, I've been invited to speak to our nursing council Um, I've been invited to speak to a group of our um, physicians from cardiology to neurology um, to our cancer care oncology. Um, And it's just, it seems like the more the word gets out that we have a music therapy program, the more people see places for it to fit in. And so just the other day, I was in the elevator um, with a, a patient who was an elderly patient, and he said, are you playing music for someone? And I said, yes, I'm, I'm a music therapist. And he goes, are you coming to my room? And I said, well, I, I can come to your room. Tell me what's going on. And, you know, we just had a brief discussion about he was having a procedure and um, he was feeling pretty down, pretty depressed. Um, and so that to me is, okay, self-referral. I have a goal. I have a reason to go see him. And and I went to his room and, and here's a whole other floor of patients that I haven't visited yet. Um, and it just continues to grow. So, so right now I'm 12 hours a week and that is purely because of my schedule. Um, I know that there would be more hours at the hospital for music therapy if I had the room right now in my schedule, 
So that's kind of my, my five-year plan is to look ahead and go, how much time can I commit to the hospital? Because I, I really feel like the door's wide open. Um, it's not outside the realm of possibility to have a full-time music therapy position within the next couple of years. Um, so it, I just, yeah, it's lots of potential for growth. What an exciting time in your life. <laughs> it really is. It is. It feels like the sky's the limit as far as possibilities. So, and if anyone, you know, is wondering, um, Montana is a rural state and it, it's easy to assume there's no opportunities for music therapy in Montana, but just from chatting with other music therapists across our state, I really believe that there is. And, you know, I don't want that to scare people about a rural environment. It's just finding the one right person to talk to. And then from there, it kind of can explode. So what else can you tell us about music therapy in Montana? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> so I, I giggle about this all the time. The the common um, philosophy, I would say, in Montana, what I've found, and at least in Billings, in the community that I'm in, is if something bad happens, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and you get over it, and you move on. And it's kind of just this <clears throat> um, homesteader, Western, you know, philosophy. And I feel like I just kind of rock everybody's world because I come in and go, we need to process the trauma that you uh-huh. experience, and we need to spend time exploring this. And I get the funniest looks. I mean, it, it, they just look at me sometimes like I have three heads. But, you know, the, the more relationships I build with people and the more conversations I'm able to have where we really can peel back those layers of, yeah, we have some hard things in Montana. We have a an opioid crisis. We have um, a skyrocketing rate of babies being born addicted to meth. It's There are some heavy things going on here. And so that, that old philosophy of just keep moving and pull yourself up and, and get over it might not work for us much anymore. And so I think the door is opening um, for people to come in and say, let's unpack this a little bit and let's, let's spend some time really digging in to the issues behind this. And we can do that through music. Um, so, yeah, I think people sometimes don't know what to do with me when I start talking that way. But it's nice to look across the country and, and have support from other music therapists that are doing amazing work with, um, you know, I think of music therapists that are working with birth trauma. And um, in New York City around the September 11th, the, that, you know, that, that kind of trauma that the kiddos experience there. So it's coming. It's coming out this way. We just have to be a little more patient sometimes out here. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting, those cultural differences, depending Mm -hmm. on where you are. So what what initially sent you to Montana? Because you said you were in the Carolinas and then you did your internship in Florida and then you Mm -hmm. went back to the Carolinas. So why Montana? Good question. Um, It's my husband's fault. (laughs) (laughs) So he was born and raised in Billings here in Montana And we met in North Carolina. He had moved out there for a job. And we met out there. We were married out there. Um, Our first daughter, our first child was born there. And the whole time we were dating, you know, we'd come back and visit Montana. And I'd say, I love it out here. It's beautiful. I love to visit. I just don't really ever want to live there. And so in um, in 2007, we just really felt um, some things had changed with his job and 
we were just really led to make a, a big change. And so he said, I think Montana's the place. And, and we packed up everything and moved here and we've never really looked back. So, yeah. Good for you. That's beautiful as well. Sometimes those life changes in hindsight, it's, it's so much more impactful mm-hmm. than you ever could imagine. It really is. And I, you know, at the time I had just uh, gotten the go ahead to create a music therapy program at a children's hospital where we were living. And so I felt like I was walking away from my dream. Um, but I knew, you know, my heart was with my husband and my family and I knew that I, I couldn't go wrong. Um, if I just kind of followed him. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's neat to see how that's been brought full circle that I, I walked away from a position, but it's been kind of reborn here in Montana. So were you able to kind of hand that, that offer off to someone else before you left to Montana? You know, I wish that I had, um, it was in such a, an infancy stage. It kind of just, I don't know whatever happened with that. Um, and we were in the middle of, you know, the move and I was pregnant and it just kind of was one of those things that, that fell off the radar, but hopefully, I don't know. That'd be cool to, to see if anyone out there knows. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I ended sure. up there. Yeah, that was my job. <laughs> good, good. So you kind of touched on this, but how do you find support systems in such a rural place where the culture of your profession is very different than the culture of the people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you find yeah. support? I really credit um, the online communities that I've found, um, Facebook groups, and and really just reaching out to the other music therapists in Montana that they might be in different cities. Um, but it's nice to have someone else to just shoot a text to or an email. And, you know, even when I was setting rates for my private practice, um, you can't really look at the nationwide rates when you're in a rural community because it's just, it's not feasible. And so just reaching out to the ones that I did know of in Montana, but also finding, um, the online support. There's, um, several groups that I will, you know, post something and immediately get responses of encouragement or support or ideas. Um, and there's there's been several music therapists that have um, come alongside me as I'm building the program that I feel like I can reach out to anytime and say, hey, here's what's going on. What do you think? You know, and, and they might be in Florida or they might be in Pennsylvania, but we still have that connection. So... Yeah. Do you want to um, name any of those groups or support groups? Uh, and I'll, I'll put them in the show notes. Oh, absolutely. So um, Julie Martin is one. Um, she's, she was my internship supervisor at All Children's in Florida. And, you know, she, when I look back over the, the longevity of our relationship, it's just, it's cool that I can still text her and say, She's still kind of supervising me um, in an unofficial capacity, whether she knows it or not. So thank you, Julie. Um, And then also I took a course called Perinatal Music Therapy with um, Heidi and Kate, um, Kate Taylor. And Heidi's last name is escaping me right now. She's probably going to kill me if she hears this, but um, she has a different Facebook name. But it's Perinatal Music Therapy. Um, and they teach a course that I just found such an amazing group of other music therapists who were like-minded and kind of in a, a similar position as far as starting programs and starting 
um, new things. So those are the, probably the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'll link those so people can find them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. That's, this is also just a great way to put all that out there for other people who are rural or feeling isolated and need yeah. some some places to go. And I'll link Julie's episode, too, for those listening so you can hear from her. It was also a really great conversation. Perfect. So tell us, tell me, tell us a little bit more about um, doing private practice in a rural area, setting your rates. I've, I've heard mm-hmm. that, you know, you have to go, you have to charge a little more and you're not really going to get those 20 hours of contact per week. You're driving more, blah, blah, blah. So what has your experience been with that? Um, sure. So, you know, when I started with the private practice, it was really just in one facility. Um, and, <laughs> The funny thing is I still look back to this day and I don't know for sure that the the activities director who hired me still fully understands what music therapy is. And and so every time I would go in, it was a weekly contract and that one actually started out as entertainment. So it was a little, a little bit of a, um, a dangerous you know journey for me on that starting out with entertainment and then being brought in as a music therapist. So I really had to draw those those hard lines and say, okay, this is entertainment. When I come to sing for your Christmas party, your facility-wide Christmas party, and I charge this amount and I sing for an hour, this is entertainment. And then what I do on Tuesdays at 11, when I come in for our memory care group and I charge this amount, this is what I'm doing and this is music therapy. And, and I feel like I had that conversation so many more times than I thought I would have to, but I, I tried not to look at it as a frustrating thing. It was like, okay, you know, they, they need a little more education about what I'm doing. How can I communicate this in maybe a little different way so that this, this particular CNA that I'm talking to in this moment understands what my goals are and what I'm doing. Um, so it just, I, it was frustrating. It had the potential to be frustrating, but I kind of learned very quickly to look at it as just an, an opportunity for education, um, both for myself to learn how to communicate about music therapy, as well as how the could learn music therapy. So I'll give you an example, um, a specific example. Um, I was doing a session uh, with our memory care group and um, it was a, I had my, my set clients that would come in that had been referred to the group based on goals that we had identified and needs. Um, and a, a CNA came in, I still giggle about this, and started um, shaving one of the residents. She was just doing some personal <laughs> care on one of the residents because he needed to be shaved at, at that time. And I, I kind of just went, oh no. And I'm, I'm a very conflict avoidant person. I don't like to, to have these uncomfortable moments, but I said, all right, I need to draw the line in the sand here. And I just stopped the music and I said, oh, I am so glad that you're here to take care of Mr. Smith or, you know, whoever it was. Um, we are actually right in the middle of, of his music therapy group right now. So is there any way we could do this? You know, I'll bring him back to his room when we're done. And can I meet you at his room at, at 11 o'clock and we can do this? And she went, oh, I am so sorry. Of course, of course you can. And she stopped and, you know, but that was just a good learning moment for me of standing up for this is a music therapy group and we're working on goals and we we have objectives here and 
and shaving's not one of them today. So <laughs> let's move that to a different time. Um, so yeah, I, I might have gotten a little off track from your initial question, but um, you know, as I approached, as I began to branch out my private practice and approach different um, assisted livings and memory care facilities, I always started with the research, and I would go in and say, you know, we know that these are the outcomes for adults with dementia based on this research. And, and usually if I started with the research, um, it was a much easier sell. And they said, oh, well, we want our residents to have improved mood. We want our residents to have improved cognition and memory recall. And yeah, absolutely. And so I never really found um, that the rate was an issue. I didn't get much pushback on that because they looked at it as a, a need. And if, if, you know, it seemed like, oh, we can't really afford that every week, then it was, well, we want you twice a month or we want, you know, I just tended to, to try to keep an open mind. Um, however I could get my foot in the door, I, I did it. And then from there, it would always grow and expand. So. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that story. Because when I'm in similar situations, I also am conflict avoidant. And I probably yeah. would have thought to myself, well, this this isn't ideal, but I guess shaving also needs to happen. And I'm just going to yeah. push through. So um, yeah. that's it is. Yeah. It's a balance. And you do have those moments where you go, okay, this is just going to happen. And we're going to still keep going with our session. And so, yeah. But you're totally right. It's important for us to advocate that what we're doing is also important. And shaving can probably wait. You know, maybe medication time can't, but shaving <laughs> right. probably can. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I would always have, it always cracked me up, I'd be in a memory care group and I would be asking a question, you know, to try to encourage memory with the, the residents and discussion. And I'd say, oh gosh, you know, it's, it's Christmas and I want to sing a song. What's that song about the bells? And, and I'd hold up some jingle bells and, and ring them. And I'd go, what? Oh, what is the name of that song? And inevitably a staff member would go, jingle bells. And I'm like, okay, I know that you know it's jingle bells <laughs> and I know it's jingle bells. But, and so that, you know, later if it came up, it was always a good teachable moment of going, I'm so glad you participate in our group. Thank you so much for participating. And and let, let's see if maybe the residents remember next time, or let's see if we can get Mr. Smith to remember. So it's just deciding when you want to, which hill you're going to die on, I guess. I, <laughs> say, <definitely. laughs> I, yeah. I do the same thing. Or, um, and I usually give the teachers or the paraprofessionals or whoever's present, I usually give them a wink. Like, I, right, I know what I'm talking right. about. I'm seeing if they'll exactly. explain it. Or even I have one of them. Do you know Marshmallow? Uh, he's he's a musical artist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My son loves him. Yes. So one of my kiddos was telling me about Marshmallow, and I was planning off like, oh, you know, s'mores and blah, blah, blah. And the teacher started <laughs> explaining. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're going to have the kid explain who this right, person right, right. is to me and why his music right. is important, blah, blah, blah. So I had to like exactly. give him the exactly. give him the face. <laughs> Right. I know. I, I really do know. I know. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Those moments are always, always interesting. So what other differences have you seen between being in South Carolina versus Florida versus Montana? Are there any other big differences in the profession, differences in the culture of the people, all that stuff? That's a really good question. Um, You know, I think the differences 
to me usually melt away and I I see more of the similarities that we're all um you know for the most part we all have stuff and we're all a little bit of broken people in our own way and so you know whether I was working with a a kiddo in Florida um in the hospital or somebody in Montana um I just look at it and go, we're, we all kind of have the same inside. We all have a heart and a, a spirit and a mind and um, just looking at those things that connect us and bring us together, maybe even more so than the differences um, because they are there. But we have such a, um, uh, let's see, in Montana, I'm close to several um, Native American reservations. And so it seems to me that there are some some hard lines drawn between um, tribes even and between people that are on the reservation and people that are not on the reservation. And so um, because my work does bring me in contact with a lot of people that, that come from Native American backgrounds, I try to walk in the room and, you know, the, the differences are usually obvious right away. Um, but I try to focus in and hone in more on the things that connect us and bring us together. You know, you love your child. I love my child. Um, you have songs that you sing in your family, songs of kin, songs of origin. I have songs that are special to my family. And can we find those things that we're both moms, you know, we're both, um, I don't know, just, just at anything that kind of brings us together. Um, I find that that is a way to build such quick connections. And I'm still thankful for the music because there are differences in um, music culturally. Uh, I don't know a lot of the songs of the, the Native American culture. And in some instances, I'm not allowed to sing those songs. But um, maybe just finding one that's, that's common ground for all of our cultures um, kind of helps break the ice. And in Montana especially, it's funny because back east, um, I, I could come into a assisted living and sing a show tune and everybody knew it and everybody, you know, would tap along. And out here, I don't know what happened. Nobody knows show tunes. <laughs> it's more of like the old campfire cowboy songs. And so I've had to really build my repertoire of those. Um, but yeah, the differences kind of fade away when you really come down to the core of who we are as human beings, um, finding those similarities. Yeah. Mm, I like that a lot. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to add before we move into some rapid fire questions? Oh, goodness. I think, I don't know. It's all I have for now, I suppose. <laughs> that was great. I, I love that we finished on that note about us all being the same at our core. I love that so much. All right. So we'll start with coffee or tea? Coffee, but decaf. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? Something you would tell your younger self. Relax. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Just breathe and relax. Yeah. Your music therapy elevator speech. So I'm a music therapist and um, I use music to help people through playing instruments and singing and just um, using music to just make you feel better. 
your favorite self-care practice? Oh my goodness. That's a good one. Um, taking a bath and drinking a glass of red wine and listening to some instrumental music. Do you have any recommended instrumental music to listen to? Oh, I love Miles Davis. And um, I love anything from the romantic era. Um, Yeah, I just find sometimes that words, I don't know if it's because I say so many words in a day or I listen to music with words. Instrumental music is really what kind of brings me to that calm place at the end of the day. Something that is currently adding value to your life. Oh, wow. My husband and my kids and our time at home together. Yeah. I guess just I'm curious personally, what's it like yeah. living without cell phone reception, kind of being off grid? It's beautiful. <laughs> it really is. Um, we do have internet at the house. It's pretty spotty. Um, it's, we, we laugh cause, um, we'll say if the internet's slow, we say, oh, it must be raining in Arizona cause that's where our satellite's based out of. So, um, but you know, really it kind of cuts down on your focus on technology and with the kids getting older and having smartphones and, um, it really gives us time to put the devices down and have that time together as a family. And we're not kind of off each in our own little corner on our phones um, because internet's so bad, nobody really wants to be on their phone anyway. So, um, and the cell service is nice. We have a home phone, but we only get telemarketer calls on that. So nobody really calls us and disrupts our time unless we invite them to. So it's pretty nice. Yeah. Was that a conscious decision when you moved there? Or is it kind of just that's where you ended up and that was how it was? just, yeah, there's no other option. The, the, Telephone lines are stop about three miles from our house. The or I shouldn't say the telephone lines, the the cell phone tower. I don't understand how it all works, but <laughs> we can we have cell service about up until about three miles, and then it just drops. We're down in a valley, kind of in between two big mountains, and so it just doesn't come down in the valley. So we don't have the option. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. I I think it's yeah. cool at least. It is. It's fun. It's I can feel myself on the drive home. No matter what the day's been like, I can feel my shoulders dropping and my breathing start to slow down and uh, just kind of settle in. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a there's a lot of science out there about the EMFs and the different waves going through. So if they're not getting oh, to you as strongly, no. then not then a bit. <laughs> <laughs> not a bit. We're safe. Awesome. All right. Back to back to our regular programming. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Fair. I was really curious about that. Your favorite song or intervention to use in a session? Oh, wow. Um, Okay, so I have been learning some Lori Berkner songs. And my absolute favorite one right now is I Know a Chicken. Because it never fails to get a smile or a laugh or a giggle. And you can't help but move and smile when you listen to that song. So I get out my egg shakers and I make a really silly face and we sing I know a chicken so <laughs> do you know what a quack stick is I have a quack stick yes I love it mm-hmm. I actually I don't know that I have it anymore because I had a patient who loved it so much I'm pretty sure it went home with them oh 
So, but they're pretty inexpensive. We can mm-hmm. afford a few quack sticks. So, yeah. I use my quack stick when I do that, and it will soon be. I know a turkey now that we're officially oh, in yes. November. Right, right, for sure. It's very versatile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So, lastly, where can the listeners find you and connect with you? So, I'm on Facebook. Um, always welcome new Facebook friends, music therapy professionals. Um, it's just Brooke Wagner on Facebook. Um, and then, you know, as far as, um, further stories and work that I've done, our hospital has put out several news articles about the program, um, the music therapy program that we've started. So I'd be happy to send you some links to those as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about where I am. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and for telling our listeners all about your journey. I know they'll learn a lot from all the things you had to say. Good. Well, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You as well. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I always forget to say this, but if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so that the episodes are automatically downloaded to your phone when they are released each week. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the show, please send an email over to feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. I love hearing from the listeners, getting some of your feedback, and also getting ideas for guests that you want to hear from. Again, if there's a guest that you want to ask a question to, please go over to patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles and become a patron and you will have the opportunity to ask questions to the guests when I schedule an interview with them. That's it for this week and I will see you in the next one.